Hello, welcome and kumusta and thank you for joining me today. My name is Hao and I am your occupational therapist. Wonderful. So what are we going to talk about today? I have decided to uh, have a discussion about this symptom called apraxia. There we go, praxis. What is praxis? Praxis is the, well, look it up in the dictionary, guys. But uh, some technical definition from the top of my head, it is uh, the a person's ability to perform purposeful movements. Yeah? Praxis or motor planning. They can do things spontaneously. They can do things within reason and on purpose. So, if the person has praxis, he can do anything that is within the skill. Like, for example, if he wants to eat, then he can eat. If he wants to put on his clothes, he can put on his clothes. If he wants to prepare something, a meal, for example, or a sandwich, he can do that. If he wants to put on the shoes, tie in the shoelace, he's got that. Because praxis is motor planning. Now, Somebody who has problems with motor planning, it is a condition or a symptom called apraxia. A being a being without praxis. Apraxia. So just to put things into some kind of a case scenario. Um I am working in the hospital and then the nurse just came to me and She was talking to the patient and the patient is okay. So conversation is not too bad. Uh, the patient can respond. They can say yes or no. They're okay. But then when the nurse asked the patient to pick something up from the table, the patient just could not do it. And so the, pa- the nurse then became confused. And she thought the patient, the patient is confused because... You know, you talk to the person, she talked to the person, she talked to the patient, and the patient was doing okay. And yet, he cannot do things, so she really does not know what to do. And what she did is she called the rehabilitation assistant, who's actually new, quite new in the job. And he just doesn't know what to do as well, so they called me. And so, how do you test praxis? That's the thing, Okay. Well, you want to see whether the person can follow instructions. So what I did is very simple. I wanted to understand whether the patient can understand me. So I was just chatting with the guy and the person can speak to me. Good. Well done. So functional communication, not too bad. The next thing is I asked him to point two body parts straight on the center. That'd be a good tip. So I asked him to point to his nose, which he managed. I asked him to point to his forehead, which he managed. I asked him to point to his chin, which he managed. So in terms of perception, this is called body part identification. And the person was good. So body part identification was good. And then the next thing is I asked him to do a left and right discrimination. So next thing I asked him to point to his left ear. He did. Point to his right ear. He did. Point to his 
right shoulder. And then he pointed to the left ear. Aha. Uh-huh. And then I asked him to point to his left knee. And then he pointed to the shoulder as well. So there we go. So right and left discrimination becomes impaired. And when that is a situation, usually right and left is a uh, more of a function of the uh, of the right brain, really, because it's visuospatial. So, in general, but not all the time. Okay. So I did this, and the person cannot point, and so it becomes a little bit. I'm a little bit alerted. So you cannot do this. There is something wrong. Okay. When I asked him uh, to point to items on the uh, on the table, so I wanted to know whether he's got form constancy. Form constancy is the ability to tell the shape of an object. So I point pointed. So where's the where's the water bottle? He pointed out. Where is the glasses? He pointed it out. And then, boom, that's also good. Form constancy is not too bad at all. Okay. And then, the next thing is, uh, I asked him to uh, uh, name the items on the table. I point to items, and he did as well. So, naming is good. Okay. And then, the next thing is, so, naming is good. He does not have anomia. Functional communication is good. Body part identification is intact at the time. Right and left discrimination is impaired. Okay. And then, the next thing that I did was, I asked him to demonstrate to me. So, I said, how do you brush your teeth? And he says, like, I do not know. So, it seems like he's not understanding me at all. So, he couldn't demonstrate things to me. And so, it becomes a little bit complex now. So, how do you comb your hair? And it's like, uh, he just could not show it to me. He could not demonstrate it. And I asked him, can you demonstrate how you drive a car? So, normally, you should be able to demonstrate. But then this guy did not demonstrate. So, I was really worried. Whatever this is, it is definitely a Uh, some kind of a neurological situation. So I asked him what he has had done. So recall, he's fine. I asked him where he is. Uh, he's not too sure. And during this time of interview and interaction with the patient, what I have been observing is that his communication seems a little bit off. You don't know whether he's picking it up. I have to say things over again so that he can pick things up. So, I have been a little bit concerned. And I was thinking, there is something here. He's not able to follow instructions consistently. That's the thing. So, there is one thing. When you're making your assessments, one thing. You want, to sh- you want patients to show them to you. That's one. The next thing is you want patient to be consistent with it. And he's not consistent. So there is something off. But I could just not pinpoint it. And I said the only way around this to really diagnose is, is to do some kind of a scan. 
But it's not my call because I'm an occupational therapist. But I highlighted that so that it, the doctors would be advised. At least I have done my share. And so I also advise the nurse, whenever you're in the hospital, the things that you need to do is you need, the nurse needs to update the observation. So I asked the nurse, please do an observation, do a GCS score. That's really important. The third one is check the pupils for the sizes and also check for the blood sugar. And then I ask the nurse if the blood sugar is equal to or less than 4 millimolecules or millimol per liter, then they need to treat it. And then because it's a nurse, you have to escalate it to, to somebody, either a stroke nurse or you have a registrar in the hospital, or you may have some early supportive nurses. It just depends on the name. But you have got to alert it. So the things that a person need to do, particularly if they are the multidisciplinarity members, okay, do the observation, know the symptoms, and the symptom is called apraxia. There is that inability to follow instruction. Okay, and and I don't know yet because this is, I was worried. So I was saying, you know, I thought maybe you keep an eye on this because this is time, time is very important. You need to really assess and have a thorough observation. And I was keeping an eye on him losing his words or if he cannot speak at all. That's what I wanted to find out. So I suggested to the nurse, go and have an observation. Okay, just make sure every hour do an observation and keep an eye on the speech. And so I made the necessary referrals already. Okay, so this event was at 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock in the morning. So I left. That was it. The nurse knew what to do. It has been alerted. So the next line of action is really all up to the doctors and what they needed doing okay that's it that is the situation so that is the praxis and so shall we carry on with the story okay let's carry on with the story i think the story afterwards is that the symptom around three o'clock 11 so i saw him at 11 12 1 2 11 12 1 2 3 that's four hours after The person then already has demonstrated some difficulty on opening the hand. Okay, so there you go. And I asked to apparently, not me, uh, you know, lifting the arms overhead. And there is a drift on the hand. It is a little bit weaker and he could not control. And then when I asked the person, is everything okay? When we asked the person, the person then always say, yeah, everything seems fine. So it seems it is quite confusing because the patient is saying everything is okay and now he's demonstrating that he has difficulty with the left hand and now he couldn't do he couldn't follow instructions and if you ask some him to do something he will not do it so it will come across as confusion yes and then because nowadays delirium is such a big thing especially after the operation, he will come across 
as somebody with delirium. But in fact, these are all symptoms, neurological symptoms. He is already demonstrating some kind of a denial. And a denial, which is a symptom called anosognosia, which is again typical of a right brain infarction or a right brain stroke. And there you go, it's becoming more consistent now. Yeah? So right and left discrimination, a symptom of the right brain. Left hand weakness becomes a symptom again of a right brain problem. And then they denial or anosognosia or inability to tell if there is something wrong is also a right brain uh, uh, symptom. And lo and behold, unfortunately, the patient was then scanned only at night. Yeah, it took a while because of the observation. Because the patient was already in the hospital, they did not think that it was an emergency. The symptoms were there, but it was not treated as an emergency. So, around 8 o'clock, when this patient was scanned, it was found out that the patient had a stroke, and it's particularly on the right side. And there you go, guys. So I said I was going to talk about praxis. Again, praxis, when you ask a person to do something, then you, when you give them instruction, it should be straightforward. Because a patient will not just get that confused. So the term confusion is confusing. Okay? You can be confused for one or two, but once you correct it, it should be okay. You should be able to correct it. But the person still was not able to correct and was still not able to do the purposeful activities. And therefore, that becomes inability to do purposeful movements in the absence of problem with sensation or motor output. Yeah. So the, the 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 dyspraxia came in, or the apraxia comes in came in first before the upper limb impairment and before the anosognosia. So it started there, and that's the story. Okay. So there you go, guys. We had a little discussion about uh, apraxia, about a simple case. Okay, this is an OT conversation. In fact, it is a uh, should we say random information? It would be a relevant information involving occupational therapy. This is Riot Conversation. Thank you. Until next time. Bye.